All right, hello, 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 and welcome to the big show. This is Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, Dive Bars of Seattle podcast. This is Dingy Taverns, Backrooms, Saloons, Gritty Roadhouses, and Dive Bars of the greater Seattle area. We explore the seedy history and salacious backstory of these timeless drinking establishments, along with, you know, sampling what's on tap and swapping some tall tales along the way. We hang out in the places where sorrows are drowned and future regrets are made, so you don't have to. That's right. Yep. But we want you to do it, too. Damn straight. I think yeah, we should and, get and rid of that line. We want you to come to these places and oh, lose ab- some money. And absolutely. Drown but, some you know, t- it's tongue-in-cheek. And, yeah. you know, some of those regrets are, you know, they make us, they build character, right? Make us who we are. <laughs> That's right. So, nothing wrong with regrets. Yeah, all right. I'm going to scratch that line out. Okay. We don't just talk about these awesome dive bars in the confines of some cushy recording studio somewhere. No, 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 no. no. We leave the house. We get in the car, we put on some pants. Get in an Uber. <laughs> get in our electric scooter. Come on down to. No, no, no. We're coming to you live directly from Seattle's greatest watering holes. And tonight we are at Hattie's Hat in beautiful downtown Ballard, Seattle. With me, as always, is the Dim Lights crew. Bob? No, no, no. I, I think we should t- retire that. It's fucking season three, and we, we gotta we gotta keep it fresh, right? All right. All right. No more stupid jokes. <laughs> Bob, the producer extraordinaire. <laughs> producer supreme. Noted historian and celebrity author, Brad the Stash Panda. Hello, hello. Sweet MF and Lou. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right. And I'm um, your host for this episode. I think this is episode three of season three. That's I believe right. you're right, yeah. I think probably has some sort of mystical, significant, numerological something or other going on, but I, I'm just too dense to understand it. Anyway, it's kind of cool. <laughs> so, like I said, <laughs> today we are in Hattie's Hat. We're going to get into the the uh, salacious backstory and history of this awesome, awesome dive bar here in downtown Ballard. But first... Lou, I think you have some updates and some uh, oh, yeah. housekeeping we had for some us, right? Housekeeping, but Brad, we uh, have to give a shout out to our friends at the Baranoff. We've got some bad news. Yeah, right? yeah. So from what I've heard, the Baranoff sustained some ma- major water damage inside. From what I read, they started repairing said water damage. But apparently, you know, when you're doing repairs, especially major ones, you got to get permits. They did not apparently get said permits, so the city oh. came down on them and put a they all work order. They red tagged it, so they're closed indefinitely. But that's all I've heard. I don't know when they're due to reopen. So, yeah, somebody's somebody's got to get paid. Some palms got to be greased, and then we'll we'll see the bear up. The bear up will so. rise again. I Mark my right. words. That's right. That's but apparently, right. it happened like right after we recorded there. So oh, oh so, we were so we just yeah, it was probably us. All right, you ready for uh, another round? Well, good timing. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, uh, I'll take another one too. The Rubens. Yep. You're good for now. Good. I'm good for now. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'll take one more. Same uh, black Raven poster. Yeah. Nice. Shout out to Lola, our server for this evening. She's been fantastic. Super excellent host for us here at Hattie's Hat. And uh, Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about Hattie's Hat and where we're coming from this episode? Yeah, like you mentioned, we're here at the long-standing Hattie's Hat, which bills itself as Ballard's last stand since 1904. Wow. And indeed, this lounge-slash-diner known for its stiff drinks and comfort food is one of the last remnants of old Ballard. 
Uh, so this place started out as a saloon known as the Ballard Bar in 1904. Very inventive name, the Ballard Bar. And was run by a Swedish guy by the name of Nels Olsen. During its run as a saloon, it certainly had its share of run-ins with the police, usually for various gambling violations. And of course, Washington State Prohibition started in 1916, so there was the issue of alcohol as well. Oh, oh yeah, that. And that too. Yeah, I would imagine this place has got a long police blotter when we get to the police blotter section. Am I correct? There's not actually a police blotter section. I mean, they they got they got busted a bunch of times in the old days, but there's no good like robbery or burglary stories. We don't, like we we don't have a rap sheet to read off. We don't have a rap sheet had, for this particular yeah. one. All right, house band Saints Pilgrims, play the song anyway. <laughs> Hit me. Uh, so <laughs> Olson died in 1919. And the place was then sold and became the Old Home Cafe, or just the Old Home. This was in 1920. Apparently there was still plenty of gambling and boozing, and at some point the old house ran as a soft drink parlor, which we all know was a code word for being a speakeasy. Order uh, a Coke and yeah. then they throw a little nip soft in it. Soft drink parlor. Irish it up. Yeah, Seattle had a lot of soft drink parlors suddenly emerge after Prohibition. Uh, after Prohibition was repealed in 1933, it resumed serving booze and operated as a drinking establishment that also happened to serve food. In 1954, it fell under new ownership, a Swedish couple, and changed its name to Malman's, or Malman's Fine Foods, but everyone called it Malman's, where it basically went from being a drinking establishment that happened to serve food to a restaurant that also happened to serve booze. So it became more of a boozy diner. This, this and you was could before. smoke in here. It was back in the day when people oh, you could definitely smoke were always in the 50s. drinking, always smoking. Oh, yeah. By law, you were required to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the good old days. So the new owners really spruced it up and gave it a good renovation. In fact, they even hired a renowned local artist by the name of Fred Oldfield to paint a 24-foot mural that remains to this day. And in fact, we're standing right underneath it. it yeah, it's looming epic. over us right epic. now. It's looming over us. It's probably, I mean, we've been to some amazing places that have had some killer yeah. murals. Little right? Red Hand. Absolutely. Fifth Avenue. Yeah. yeah. Totally. But this, I think this has got to take, this is probably the biggest. This is one big, continuous, freaking Well, and there's like people have, <laughs> this has been around for so long and it people have like huge. done all these weird interpretations of what it means because right over here, there's a woman standing at the gate and another woman behind her like blowing a horn. Yeah, and people have speculated what this possibly means, and one of the theories is that, like, there was some adultery going on, and the woman with the horn <laughs> was blowing the horn to, like, sound the alarm, like, hey, you know. Ixnay on the yeah. adultery A? Yeah, like the husband's coming home. Well, I don't you know, know if that's I, true or not, but that's the popular I look that's, at, I look at these mountain ranges in the background, and I yeah. think, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's like the Olympics. It's beautiful, but apparently it is not the Olympics. It just happens to look like a awesome... So yeah. she's the wife, and that's the husband? Well, that's well, that's according to the popular theory. Who knows? I don't know if okay, this yeah. guy back in the 50s was intending that. Long time but. So there's a man on a horse and buggy coming up the road waving at his wife. And, and this woman over here is blowing the horn, and that's the and popular wife's theory. standing in front of him, looking up at the sky, thinking, fuck you, your harpy's standing right here behind me playing the clarinet. And behind her is a woman playing the clarinet, looking the other way. 
I don't know, Lou. I think the, don't think know, about it too hard, man. The Just dude on the horse is like, oh, yeah, she's Lou's blowing like, the horn. Uh, well, there's three that. mountains, though. What does that possibly mean? We know what that no means. Yeah. We know what that means. Third titty. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Grand now. Tetons. <laughs> this is a kid's podcast. <laughs> well, but the cool thing about this, so Fred Oldfield was a really renowned artist back in the day. Uh, he painted a bunch of murals around town, including a bunch of taverns back in the 1950s. And uh, there's a few that are still kind of around. This is the, the biggest example of his. But he has a whole art gallery down in Puyallup. Mm-hmm. Nice. And he was, he's kind of considered one of the top Western artists that paints Western scenes. It is, it is uh, cool. not, only, cool. not only its size and magnificence, but the quality is, is amazing. It is. I mean, yeah. it is, it's breathtaking. Yeah. It is, it is, it's, not a, it's not like you hired your cousin's kid to come in and paint some shit on the wall or graffiti it or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. This is like art chick yeah it's pretty impressive it's like art and stuff (laughs) and there's hardly any beer stains on it which is quite impressive yeah quite impressive there yeah Yeah, i wonder though it doesn't look too like yellow or brown from the old days of smoke i wonder Mm, if they cleaned it up mountains were a lot prettier and brighter back in 1970. yeah i'm sure you're right I'm now sure they're kind of right. gray, kind of brown, kind of tan. It's good. <laughs> uh, so in the 1960s, the place again fell under new ownership, which is when it became Hattie's Hat. Apparently the owner's mother-in-law was named Hattie, which is where it got its name. And that's kind of a weird thing, right? Like naming like a, a restaurant or a business or like a sailboat or something after your mother-in-law. Like I know people do with their wives and their kids and stuff, but your mother-in-law? Mm, that's kind points. Of, yeah. Right, you think yeah. that's what it was? A L- little bit, you know, like digging themselves out of a hole, I'm imagining. Trying to yeah. get in some good favor yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we just opened this restaurant. We, we named it after you. She's like, uh-huh, whatever. Yeah. As far as Seattle bars go, though, Hattie's Hat kind of reminds me of Shelly's Leg. Yeah. What? Shelly's Leg. Mm. Mm. Leg, hat. Nice. So she lost her hat in an accident and got a big lawsuit. I don't know. <laughs> On Bastille Day. Yeah, I don't know where the hat yeah. part came from, but Hattie was, was apparently his mother. I did not see a mural of any hats. No. Maybe she, I'm pretty sure I can figure this out. She had this amazing hat that this guy couldn't take his eyes off of. She had what? An amazing hat that a guy couldn't take his eyes off of. He was like, I got to name it after your hat. Do you have a name for it? And she's he, like, no, it's just a hat. Do you think he was like maybe in love with his mother-in-law? He I think so. Complimenting well, his because of this hat. hat. And she's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Hattie's hat was named after the fact that she liked to play polo So she'd have three different hats, and it was kind of, you know, picked Oh, hustler. Okay. Yeah, okay. hustler. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like Mariners games, find the, find the ball. Took the son-in-law for a big wad of cash. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, at any rate, it's been operating as Hattie's Hat ever since the 60s. Uh, it's currently owned by Max Genero, who took over ownership in 2009. Max also owns the Sunset Tavern, the Smoke Shop, and Al's Tavern in Wallingford, and he recently purchased the Rendezvous in Belltown. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's, uh, he's a mover and shaker for sure. We will be visiting yeah. soon, perhaps even this season. Yeah. We yeah. thought he might be uh, around to pop on the episode tonight, but uh, he won't be. Probably because he entered, encountered a plumbing problem the second he bought the rendezvous. So he was working on that the first time we tried yeah, to come here. Yeah, I think he's still elbows deep in renovating, in, in the, renovating rendezvous, the rendezvous. So, so, so a putter problem? He's out on the back nine? or I think so. Yeah, okay. All right. But he's, I, I had the chance to talk to him on the phone a few times. He's a very cool guy. 
And he's one of those guys that's really passionate about preserving the historical character of like all the, the places he owns, including this place, obviously, as you can see. Yeah. In fact, his nickname is The Reviver because he's dedicated to revitalizing and maintaining the city's old dive bars. So cheers to Max. Good guy. guy Good guy heart. to have in our We should put his name side. in the title of the show. This guy sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Max's Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, the Dive Bars of Seattle. Hopefully he can help us retain all these classic establishments before they are gone for good. Yeah. And apparently, when I was talking to him, he knows Avout. Well, they're I'm sure be, he does. Yeah. They're going to be neighbors soon. Yeah, they're going to yeah. be neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. So, in addition to having such a dedicated owner, part of Hattie's Hat Charms comes from its original and historical decor. Uh, we talked about the mural that we're standing under. But also, if you look over to your uh, right there, there's an original Brunswick bar. Uh, it, and it's an impressive piece of architecture for sure. Now, that's probably from the big, massive remodel that you described, right? This is actually from when it was originally a saloon, when it was the Ballard Bar. So oh, that's when these, the yeah, so these. What so, is a Brunswick Bar? I'm well, sorry. I'm going to get into it. So okay. Brunswick, the company started out in 1850 making pool tables. Okay. Oh, that same company? That same company. And those are like the really nice pool tables. They're, you know, made of mahogany yeah. with the really nice it's legs like the Steinway and Steinway of pool tables. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And so that's also, how they got their yeah. start. So they started out with pool tables. Apparently, Abraham Lincoln bought one of their pool tables and, like, you know, kind of gave him a shout out back in the day, and it elevated their status. Yeah, it made them bump in the day. That was huge. That was huge. I mean, the president. So at some point, like in the 1880s and stuff, they started making other other things in addition to pool tables. And one of the things they started making was these bars, known as the Brunswick bars. And there was all kinds of different styles of these Brunswick bars. And they became very popular. So a lot of like, we've and we've seen a couple. The Merchants Cafe had a Brunswick bar. Oh, I believe so. I believe Jules Maid also has a Brunswick bar. It is it is very gothic looking in its appearance, and it's it's amazing because it yeah. looks like it could be old from 1904, but it also is incredibly well preserved. Right? Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. The the wood and the, all the filigree on there and the roping and the yeah it's, it's, it's a, the craftsmanship a ton is of detail incredible. it looks like it could be one piece of wood too yeah 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 well so so there is there's bar backs and there's bar fronts so when brunswick would sell their bars they would come in pairs this is a bar back you know this is the back oh, and the front part. Of the counter you, you kneel yeah up this to. is where you put the the cash register on and you got all your stacks of booze bottles on display and the bar front is of course where people sit now the original bar front is no longer here, so probably at some point during some renovation or something they removed the front. I don't know if it fell in disrepair or something, but they kept the bar back. And you you see this sometimes. Sometimes they're not always together as a set. The, the bar back absolutely looks period correct. The bar front also looks period correct for like 1970. Yeah, yeah, like, like, they like don't 70s quite match. or something. So I'm I'm thinking that was part of probably that's the part of the, the you know massive remodel that I you're think talking so. about. I think whereas that, the back remains, but the new got a little newfangled. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Now, yeah, green and red earth tone tiles. Yeah. <laughs> Versus a gothic Real piece of 70s vibe. Wood. Yeah. Now, part of like That's the awesome. whole myth and legend about these Brunswick bars is that they were shipped around the Cape Horn 
to Seattle and different places up and down the West Coast. There's a lot of Brunswick's in San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. I, I want to throw water on that, though, because it doesn't make any sense. So Brunswick started out in Ohio. That's where they got their start. It sounded and then, English to me. Ohio? No, Brunswick sounds like an English name. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the Earl of Ohio. The Earl, yeah, yeah. So the Brunswick, so they started in Ohio, and then at some point when they got really popular, they started, they set up a manufacturing plant in Chicago. So they're in the, the Midwest, right? That's that's Why where they were stationed. Why not just put it on a truck to San Francisco exactly. instead of sailing it around the Cape Horn? Exactly. <laughs> Why would you... Bring it over to the East Coast, load it on a ship, and then bring it around the entire like continent. Up, I mean that's a huge thing. They call that um, the equivalent of like climbing Mount Everest, like the boating equivalent, because it's such a long route. And Back then, like, it took a month. It's not. It's no bullshit too. It's so choppy, especially coming around the Cape where the two oceans meet. Oh yeah. Meet. It's totally treacherous. It well, would, it would have to be six months to get that bar to you. I could have driven. Well, and it would have to be cost prohibitive. It would probably cost more to ship than that the damn bar is actually worth, right? Well, he was eccentric. Brunswick? No, whoever owned this bar, they were like, I won't take it unless you ship it around the Cape. Right. to go around the world before Only it gets best. here. Well, Only the, the one at Merchant's Cafe, that was also the story with that, too, that it was also shipped around the, yeah. the Cape Horn. Yeah. Yes, I do remember you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, but um, again, I'm, I'm going to throw water on that theory because it just doesn't make sense. Why Ohio. wouldn't you not just railroad it? From the Midwest over to here, why would you go on this ridiculous long route? Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds like maybe a little additional resource or research might be necessary. To well, I did research. No, we can make the correction now. On a previous episode where they said Brunswick bars go around the, around we're, the cave. We're correcting that, yeah. We're correcting that now. Well, I, I talked with about it with, uh, with Max, to the owner, and he agreed with me. He was like, yeah, I heard the same thing, and it doesn't make any oh, sense yeah. at all that they would yeah. go on this really super long route. So anyway, so... It was actually delivered by helicopter. Yeah, helicopter, yeah. 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 I mean, that would be like... Yeah, Chinook. Helicopters were invented. Chinook. In that Seattle. would be like um, moving to Seattle. Tacoma from here and like air freighting all your furniture down to Los Angeles and then having it shipped up to Tacoma. Like, why would you do that? Okay, why would Bezos. Yeah. So anyway, it doesn't make any sense. Also looking around, there's uh, in the back there, there's an original uh, Malman sign from when it was Malman's. And there's also some uh, Fred Oldsfield paintings that they found back in the 90s Olds down in the basement. Paintings? Which was pretty cool. I mean, it was like these buried kind of artifacts that they uncovered when they were rummaging around back then. So those are on display too. So the, the, all the stuff that they have on display, the murals, the bars, the paintings and stuff, it's a very cool place. They've, they've done a really good job with preserving that. Overall, Hattie's Hat is a great part of all the old Ballard locations that help keep the character of this neighborhood alive. Places like the Sunset, the Smoke Shop, and the Connor Beern Pub. What's the uh, hardware? Uh, King's, King's Hardware. King's Hardware, yeah. Don't forget that one. We'll get so, into that. So if you're in Ballard and want to grab a bite to eat and experience a bit of old Ballard, then you can definitely can't go wrong with Hattie's hat. So what do you guys think about all that? I, I'm, st I'm still digging the bar back that you're talking about. It's 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 amazing. And it, yeah. it, you really got to describe it. You know, radio doesn't do, or you know, podcast audience no, doesn't do it really justice, right? It. It, is, it is amazing. It, incredible woodwork. It goes all the way up to the ceiling. Yeah. And it's got full 
uh, mirror backing across the entire thing, which yeah. is which is not it's not uncommon to have mirrors in the bar back like you described, right? Yeah. But to have them so huge and so clear and so uncluttered, like normally a lot of like a lot of these bars we go into, they have like an old bar back with mirrors. They're like plastered with stickers like Coors Light and like pull yeah. tabs and all sorts of shit no, on this the one mirrors, is- or whatever. These are clean, pristine. It yeah. just it just really kind of adds to the. Uh, uh, you know, mystique of that bar back. Yeah. It's, it's really gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. We should also mention Jeremy's got the best seat in the house. We're in this really cool <laughs> circular right. wooden booth. It's like a carved out circle uh, booth. It, it, we yeah, should be doing something. Or we should be in like an you know, Italian right in the mall restaurant or something, uh, you know, in the, in the back, you know, making some deals or something. That's right. But yeah, I love it. And I love the last episode we talked about Fifth Avenue Pub was a place I'd driven by a million times and never been in. Mm-hmm. This is a place I've been mm-hmm. in a million times. So yeah. Yeah. I love those episodes, too. No, I mean, getting back to the decor, the, the bar is fantastic, right? But like we said, there's clearly some evidence of the old, but also the newer, like maybe 70s, 80s remodel, things like that. So yeah. we've got you know, perfect example beautiful dark hardwood oak back with mirrors and and uh, just the full nine yards there and then right in front of it like a 70s disco mirror bar <laughs> yeah very eclectic yeah and what yeah. are, are really they nice drinking? juxtaposition are, are they drinking uh, steam beer here i mean how far does it go back jeremy did you check out the <laughs> tap handles you want to tell us a little bit that's about a, what's on tap? Like a little intro of what you drink in there, Lou. Do you want to talk about uh, the tap report? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So it's interesting. So not only do we have a mix of old and not quite as old in the bar, we got the older beer back from Brunswick and then got a newer, you know, newfangled 70s or whatever remodel in the bar front. Similar situation with what's on tap, right? We've got some clearly uh, an older stack of taps. I'm saying maybe eight tap handles, plus a newfangled little stubby on the right-hand side there with some ciders because oh, that's three like, of them. That's all the rage these days, right? So love it, love it. So great selection of beers. A little bit more eclectic than we typically see in a dive bar, yeah. which I'm I'm all about. So that's cool there. Like the, the cider, few ciders on tap, like we've talked about, very ubiquitous. Even with the diviest of dive bars, we're in Seattle, people, so you're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a, a good cider on tap these days, yeah. right? Is that what did, did what you, did you get, you a cider? get man? You well, got you know, a cider, right? You know what? What is what is a little unique with Hattie's Hat that we haven't seen in many of the dive bars that we've been in, a couple, but not many, is they list the beers on the menu. Right? Means you got to print them out a lot. It's a pain in the ass. So they're going that extra mile. That's right. That's right. Or they don't bother changing them very damn often, <laughs> which is fine by me because the selection of beers is actually pretty damn good, right? So we've got a honey badger, badger cider, like we talked about, a Black Raven, one of my favorite breweries, yep. Fremont Lush IPA, which is, we've seen in a lot, a lot of Actually, the yeah, they, they did good with getting that out there. Mm hmm. I, I personally, I am drinking a uh, Kraken IPA, which is something we've seen in a, a couple of dive bars. Super popular uh, resurgence when the Kraken, you know, came to Seattle and all yada yada. We got some Bizarre Brewing, which is a first that I think I've seen yep. in uh, Stoop, Silver City, another great one, and uh, Deschutes. So some excellent, excellent beers on tap. And I have a rotating IPA. I have the uh, Rubens. Absolutely. So a, a, a really nice balance of some 
some local stuff yeah, that we're all really familiar with and uh, some, some tried well, and truth. I got a uh, Black Raven, which is something you don't see a lot of, which is kind of right. surprising because Black Raven's actually has some clout in this town. It's actually a pretty yeah. popular Yeah, it's at, at every at store, mill. every convenience yeah, store. You don't see it on top very much. At least we haven't encountered it very often. It's yeah, probably maybe right. the second place we've seen Black Raven, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Not a lot of, yeah. But I'm, I'm all for it. Black Raven is one of my favorites. You want to get a Black Raven, Raven on the next uh, you know round? What? I think I am. Goddamn. <laughs> do that thing. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's pause for a second, do round two, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more what's on tap. Word. All right, Satan's Pilgrims, take us out. Hot. We're back, round two. I am excited. I'm excited because I got a bizarre brewing fresh hop pale ale that I'm drinking from, which fresh hop pale ale I've had before, but it's awesome. Kind of a kind of a trendy style of beer. A lot of the fresh hops normally you see a fresh hop IPA. This is a fresh hop pale ale. It's delicious. Now would you not say the fresh hop has a slightly stronger? It does, but not as strong as a typical IPA. That's what's kind of cool about this. Fresh the hop. bitterness isn't coming from the hops, It's right? Ryan? It is, but it's kind of hidden. It's not in like the super hoppiness of an IPA. It's like it's buried in the It's more the subtle. Pale ale, right? I, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Not, not yeah, to everybody's it's taste. It's sharp, but clean. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's fresh hops. So but it's also from it's Bizarre Brewing, which okay. I, I this quite possibly could be the first Bizarre Brewing beer I've ever tried. Loving it. Bizarre Brewing out of like literally a couple of blocks away over <laughs> on Ballard along the water there. Yeah, the brewmaster brings it over on his back every time they need a can. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you just take the dolly up. down there. You don't even so have to put it on a we truck. We were talking about what's on tap. Hyper local. Love it. Definitely a trend for Seattle area bars. Even the diviest of dive bars are still going to do some hyper local. Awesome local Pacific Northwest beers. Perfect example, Bizarre Brewing out of Fremont. Loving it. Awesome. Also, another shout-out, though, here to Hattie's Hat, though, is they have a pretty epic full cocktail menu. And Read us a couple. Full, What's on you know, there? Okay. All right. So, Give us a taste. Not every dive bar is going to list their, like, house cocktails or signature cocktails, but Hattie Hat is a little, little yeah, more like, upscale. Yeah, like, I would think Jameson on the Rocks is a signature cocktail. Not <laughs> not here. They kick your ass out on the street. Hell no. Well, first of all, we got the Bill Murray. Nice. Bourbon, cognac, amaretto, and orange bitters. It sounds delicious. I might have to order oh. that for round three. We got the dark old-fashioned. Not to be confused with a normal now, how, old fashioned. How is the dark old fashioned different than the traditional? Dark rum, uh, Damari oh, simple syrup and bitters instead Sounds of whiskey. Pretty yeah, good. And uh, I am very intrigued by the dirty hippie. <laughs> it's a little little trendy, little little dirty trendy. Hippie. Is there some patchouli in there? <laughs> eh. some, some sandalwood some cloves. There's some peanut butter whiskey and Kahlua. Tickets to a Which dead is, show. Ep- but to make it super, super hippie, there's oat milk. <laughs> so It actually sounds pretty good. It actually sounds pretty good. A little, yeah. little trendy, but it sounds pretty good. And then uh, last on this list here, Moonchild. Empress Foil Gin, uh, Lavender gin Bitter, drink. Soda Water. You lost pretty me a gin. Anybody here drink gin, Brad? Yeah, I mean, every now and then, gin. Bob, you've had 
Jenna Gin? Gin and tonic. You ever had a really, really good, well-prepared slow gin fizz? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is good. Change your life. What about a gin rick? Mm-hmm. That's good, too. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of distilleries make really good gin around here. I've had some good gin at some of the local distilleries. There's a reason for that. It's one of the easiest alcohols to make. That's what I've heard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you're starting out and kind of... Not poo-pooing any uh, awesome local gin makers because some of them are fantastic. But yeah, that and vodka. Nice. You don't have to put the shit in the wood barrel. You're just like in the bathtub, into the bottle kind of party. Bathtub gin. (laughs) I don't want to put you on the spot, Lou, but uh, I would love to learn a little bit more about where we at because we are in downtown Ballard. We all talked about before the podcast started about what a biatch it is to park around here. But also, it's a pretty fucking cool block that we were on. So Hattie's Hat is a bunch of other amazing bars, some divey and some not so divey. There's some newer, like, kind of hipster joints around here. But it's a very, yep. very cool neighborhood. If you it's haven't a good been here. still. Yeah. There's a lot of um, fork and barrel and crate and barrel and uh, the spoon and some the octopus. Real but star- there's, like, real Star Wars. Hattie's Hat, Sunset Tavern, Real Star Wars, absolutely. And this row has has come, you know, there's been some amazing bars and restaurants come and go over the years, you know, tipping our classes for some of the ones that are no longer here. But there's still some pretty badass, uh, you know, bars and restaurants and and businesses in this neighborhood. Like I said, Brad, this is one of the, you know, older establishments. There's plenty of old, like, historic registered buildings in this neighborhood. Oh, yeah, It's pretty cool. You know, like, walking down the street. The whole uh, neighborhood is on the uh, historical preservation list. You can't fuck with it. It's like Pioneer Square. Yeah. We just were talking about that outside. It's basically Pioneer Square North. There is no other neighborhood like this. You walk outside, there are brick buildings. Shit, the first street is brick, or it's a stone street, you know. All brick. Yeah. And a lot of those buildings have been gutted due to fires, but they keep yeah. the they keep the brick facades you can't there because take off the facade because it's preserved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's registered and it's bulletproof. I mean, firing and taking that shit up. Yeah. That's true. And we were on Ballard Avenue where we could do a whole season of shows here. Pretty um, much. This is a great place for an old school bar pub crawl. Start here at Hattie's, then you go to the Sunset Tavern. Sounds like a damn good idea. That's right. Then you go to the Tractor Tavern, Lock and Keel, Ballard Smoke Shop, also owned by Max. Yep. Shout out. King's Hardware, which is not a hardware store. Classic. Which is a good one to mention next to Ballard Smoke Shop because it's actually not a smoke shop. Ballard Smoke Shop's a bar. King's Hardware is a bar. (laughs) And also new here. Shout out to Charles Finkel, uh, Pike Brewing. That's right. Oh, yeah, house, that's right. Like, yeah. Right next door, like two doors down from here. Yeah. Right? And uh, Our good friend Charles. Yeah. Uh, Bad Alberts, Connorburn Pub. And then there are all the new new places like Skull Beer Hall and the Noble Fur, which you think Noble Fur has been around a while, but it's like 2010. And it's right in there. dangerously close to Fremont, you can stumble on over to Firehouse. So, yeah, if you want to do a pub crawl here, I just named 11 amazing bars. Yeah. And uh, there's also a bunch of killer places to eat. You want to put foundation on that alcohol you're about to pour on it. And some killer places to watch some fantastic live music. That's right. Great music scene in this neighborhood. Her name comes up again. Brandy Carlisle used to play at Sunset all the time. Oh, did she? Now you got to go to the Gorge to see her. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking this podcast down to the Brandy Carlisle echelons is that, is that what's happening here is that, I, that's really? right so yeah Ballard Ave is on the National Register of Historic Places it was placed there in 1976 
so you don't have to worry about any development or anything wiping the charm out of the place. We all know that Ballard is home to a large Swedish Nordic population, and apparently Sweden knows it too. This is hilarious. Check it out. In 1976... Oh, is, this, is Ballard a sister city? It, it is indeed. Yes. In 1976, when it was put on the register, guess who was there to read the proclamation? Stockholm. Close, Brad. Don't know looking it up. Bob. The king of Sweden. <laughs> king Gustav of Sweden came here and did the dedication oh, yeah, when he, Ballard he, he Avenue was, got put on the register. He was guest on episode 13, season 2, right? I, didn't we have him on the... came and talked about Ballard Dabars? And in Not Vanishing Seattle, King Gustav is still around. He was in place in 1973. Three years later, he got his ass to Ballard and they decided to keep him around. So, a regular um, had his hat, I'm sure. <laughs> He's yeah. a regular yeah. had his hat. He's and a reserve is, table. And, and this is even crazier, but uh, King Gustav isn't the only king to make the schlep to Ballard to dedicate stuff. Uh, Bergen, oh, all the kings come to Ballard. Uh, if I had a nickel. It's called Bergen Park, and it's not really a park. It's a concrete, almost art installation I'm talking about. The triangle at Denny, yep. right by yep. the theater. All the Nordic flags are up, and those weird fucking mushroom sculptures. Mm-hmm. Right next to the about? art park. Exactly. Um, so um, it was dedicated in 1975 by King Olaf V of Norway. Mm-hmm. Come on, make mm-hmm. some noise, people. <laughs> <laughs> Norway in the house. Two. Two king, two Nordic kings came to Ballard to dedicate stuff. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Yeah, sure, you betcha. And, you so, what don't do you think of that? Shit up about Ballard, man. That's, that's legit. It's a, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think yeah, we need to go uh, find some loot fisk and have some dinner. <laughs> Norwegian neighborhood. It's not like even Norway. Hey, I'm thinking of moving. You should go to Ballard and Seattle, Washington, so I, United I think States. From the takeaway from all of this is clearly Seattle. It invented Scandinavia. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? Know, yeah. Kings come here when you call them. That's right. So, like, who, who do you think we could get for the dedication? I think Pat Cashman would do it. He's like, I can call the king of Norway. He'll do it. You want the king of Sweden? I know his number, too. So, I don't... I found out one more thing. We're running out of where we at, Ballard, because... Once you do we like covered it a few times. Three, yeah. four, five. This You're really is what, talking a about fifth Ballard area dive bar we visited. I gotta go. I gotta yeah, revisit I the deep catalog. Is, yeah, we've, I think we've been to a few. Five. Yeah, but there's more to come too. We, like we list, like those eleven that you just listed. All of them should probably be episodes at some point in the future, and maybe they will be. Yeah, we should yeah. do like a Ghostbusters thing where we have the recording equipment on our back and we do like a ten episode dim lights. But only do it in the same amount of time. Just like 10 here, 10 here, 10 here, 10 here. What do you think? You, you keep talking, and all I keep thinking about is <laughs> pub crawl. Pub crawl. <laughs> and we'll just record the shit out of it. Okay. But um, I did, uh, I haven't mentioned it in all the other episodes, but Ballard's named after Captain Ballard. Duh. Right? Captain William Ballard, he's one of the three founders of the neighborhood. He was a manager of the Seattle National Bank in the 1890s. And before that, he was a captain of a 
steamship called the Zephyr that went back and forth between Seattle, Tacoma, and Olympia. That is an interesting career transition, right? You're, like, you're the captain of a steamship, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to get into banking. Yeah, they just kind of read it. He's also known for his excellent interview skills. Did you know that? Oh, All right. Yeah, what do you know about uh, running a bank? Uh, it's pretty much the same as running a steamship. You just keep the steam engine going, make sure the crew's not lollygagging. Stoke in enough coal and uh, out comes raw power. So yeah, he went from steamship operator and it, it, the Zephyr was the steamship he operated and it was like the first steamship in this area and it went Seattle, Tacoma, Stellicum, oh, Olympia. And it was first, just kind of like a, a commuter yeah. boat. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, that that's... That's what this neighborhood is named after, Captain Ballard of the Zephyr, the first bus. But how we got this 106 acres of Ballard is even cooler. So a guy owed him some money from a business debt, and the guy was like, I don't have the cash to pay you, but I can give you this big chunk of supposedly worthless timberland over by Salmon Bay. And this is some, Captain Ballard said, it sounds like a shitty deal, but I'm kind of done with you, so I'm going to flip a coin. And if I win, you pay me cash and do it reasonably soon. If you win, I'll take your shitty land in Salmon Bay. And we know how that coin toss turned out. Yep. That's right. But then this guy met a Midwestern timber magnate, and he was like a smooth talker. And he was like, you're a timber guy? I got this land in Seattle right <laughs> on the bay. You should put a sawmill there. Let's make a deal. Super easy to dump those logs in the water, ship them on out to the sawmill. That's right. Bam, money, easy money. So, yeah, then, like, uh, it was on, and he joined forces with, you'll know these names, Brad, John Leary, John Leary Avenue, uh, Jeremy Thomas Burke. Oh, yeah. Burke and uh, Daniel Gilman. Heard of that dude? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, of the of the trail fame, when he joined forces with them to buy him in, he got a thousand dollars an acre for 160 acres. So back in, I think he lost in a gambling. That debt. sounds like a lot of money for back in the day. Oh, yeah. it's monster money. Yeah. yeah, that's Puff Daddy money in 1890. That's a lot of fucking money. Or 1927, yeah. whatever. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so so what I'm what I'm hearing is Seattle in. Invented inflated real estate prices. <laughs> As we continue to see today. But we invented it. Started and we here. invented That's the National right. Historical Preservation Society. We, we invented the like ridiculously overpriced real estate prices. Well, because when Man, with that. <laughs> so I, we've got our work cut out for us, right? So this is an awesome neighborhood. Hattie's Hat, fantastic. Lola, thank you for excellent service yeah. and hosting Shout us out to while Lola. we're here. And thanks again for Ben to Ben for uh, allowing us to record here at your fine yeah. establishment tonight. Absolutely. And you, Lou, you just listed some places we've got to hit soon, maybe even in Series 3, so stay tuned. We've got some other great crap coming along the way, some other surprises. And uh, until then, thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, check out other... We, we, we have a new, fresh new website. So if you're listening to this episode like 15 years in the future, website's eh, not so new and kind of crappy, but you know, don't worry about it. For now, it's it's pretty darn new. You can go check us out. Uh, it's, there's links to the Patreon account on it. I don't yeah, know, maybe... That's true. Uh, we do it. Do we have our own domain name? Is that what you're telling me? 
DimLightsPodcast.com, biatch. <laughs> if you want to check out the page, B-A. just you know, go to http <laughs> Funny story, though. You want DimLightsPodcast.bar? That's big bucks, biatch. Yeah, and we are we are we are not at that caliber yet. Uh, none of us have the deepest pockets to buy that domain, but maybe someday. Thanks to our Patreon members, you want to get right. Check out the website. Uh, click on over to the Patreon account if you're so willing. And uh, with that, we will wait. No, no, no. Let me let me sell it. We've been doing such a bad job. I have a niece. She's actually quite young but oh but, here uh, we go sob story she's a, like jeremy too you she's in the, the hospital thing. and really sick <laughs> no needs a, she needs a I liver said, listen to our show how should we promote it and she's like why don't you guys ever mention the name of the show or mention a website or ask for money or do anything it's true we're just kind of hanging out in it's the bar true. well we're nice guys so we're going to do yeah, it right we're, we're nice uh, guys please like share subscribe damn straight please correspond let us know what you think give us five stars any support for the show is much appreciated. Drop a couple pennies in the That's tip jar. That's my public service announcement. <laughs> All right. Thanks, I'm everybody. Done. We'll talk to you next episode. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.